Before we begin, just a quick warning. This episode contains references to trepanning, which is a surgical technique used on the human skull, and also references to hard drugs. If you don't feel comfortable with this, um, please skip this episode, but otherwise, enjoy. Welcome to Story Notes, a show where world-class audio producers showcase their work. I'm David Maguire. For this episode and next, we'll be talking to audio producer extraordinaire Michael Umney. So, we're listening to a programme, or a very short piece, ten-minute piece, called Keeping an Open Mind, which I made a very long time ago, and it's about somebody who drilled a hole in his head in order to get high, permanently high. It's called self-trepanation. Before we get into it, is there anything in particular you'd like us to listen out for? Oh, no, I'm interested in what you hear. I don't think I should um, prepare you. I think I'm very interested to see what, what the listeners get out of it. If you could introduce your piece, that'd be fantastic. So this is Keeping an Open Mind. It's a feature about Joey Mellon and his discovery of self-trepanation. Okay, let's press play. So I wanted to somehow or other get as high as I could permanently. And the only permanent measure you can take is trepanation because it gives you a certain energy. I had found as an adult that I just wanted to get high all the time because it was just more fun and more, you know, and as a child I didn't. Children don't need to get high. Fun life was very sort of flat and boring. If I, I just wanted to get above it, and, you know. When somebody thinks you're wonderful What a difference in your day my father had uh, he died when I was 14 and his firm had kept a place warm for me after Oxford they said would you do a chartered accountants course it was deadly deadly boring and I was reading Uspensky's In Search of the Miraculous and Huxley's Doors of Perception and things like that. I thought, well, I'll, I'll just finish this and I'll put all these books on estate duty and income tax and things aside. And then I thought, I've got to actually write down what I'm thinking about. And I started writing and I got completely into nothing. There's no way am I going to do this. I didn't know that's what it was, but I decided to drop out. And I went with some friends to Spain. Then I met Alan Sisko who had actually taken mescaline with Leary and Alpert and people like that down in Mexico. And he gave me a trip of mescaline. <laughs> and I opened my eyes and the room was full of insects of every kind. And my immediate sort of recoil changed. And I looked and I thought, God, this is so beautiful. And they were all like jewels, you know. I went to sort of... Then I saw over... There was a cliff where they were building some apartments. I saw this spaceship land 
and it looked like there was a restaurant with sort of waiters. Then down the cliff, the Red Indians came with the cavalry after them. And I knew I was hallucinating, but at the same time, they were absolutely real, you know. To see so far, you know. And the stars, and the, it was so bright, and the colours were amazing, and I loved it. But that was all he had, that was it. So my ambition became to get back to that level again. The next year I was in Ibiza, and there I'd heard about this guy, someone who drilled a hole in his head to get high, and I was like, that's too ridiculous, you know, come on. It turned out that was Bart. So I met him, and he had actually made acid, and he was just going back to Amsterdam to get it. And so I was waiting at the port when the ship came in, and I saw him, and I said, have you got it? And he said, yes, do you want a trip tonight? He came on with the acid, and he had a bag of sugar lumps, some lemons. He said, you should dip sugar lump into the lemon and eat them to maintain concentration. So I did this, and I had a fantastic trip. And Bart said, look, if you really enjoy it, come over to my place and we'll have another one the following night. And I read his sort of description of the mechanism and had another trip and talked to about the mechanism, which I'll tell you about in a minute. And this is the way it is. The level of consciousness is dependent on the total quantity of blood in the capillaries of the brain. Brain blood volume. Due to certain factors, Homo sapiens have suffered the loss of about 90 cc of blood from the brain capillaries, capillaries. necessitating permanent repression from that function of repression. most of the brain. Symptoms of brain blood lack appear throughout human behavior. The The problem is shortage of blood in the brain. The solution is to increase that volume. The brain blood floor can be raised permanently to the level it was at in childhood. You can do this... This can be brought about temporarily in various ways. If you stood the pressure created down, through standing on the head or constricting the neck veins is gone as soon as the action is over. But when you take LSD, the flow back through the veins will be constricted with the effect that the capillaries will expand. The high is temporary. The only way to introduce a permanent pressure inside the adult cranium is to reverse the effect of the ceiling of the skull and thus to give back to the membrane surrounding the, the brain the possibility of expansion. The operation is known as trepanation. You know, I did ask various doctors, but there was no way I could see they were never going to do it. I realised I'd have to do it myself. The cheapest thing was to get this hand trepan, which was a bit like a corkscrew, but it had a ring of teeth. And I got one of them from medical instrument shop called Down Brothers. Perfect name. What you've got to do is you've got to inject local anaesthetic. I was doing it in the middle of the head. I'd shaved my head and uh, sort of bandaged it. Then you've got to cut with a scalpel, a sort of cross to pull the skin away. There was no pain or anything, but by the way, I was on acid at the time. I'd realised that it would be much easier on acid because I would be not so fearful and even though I wouldn't feel the difference, at least I'd be able to do it. But I couldn't get the teeth to grip into the skull, bleeding away and everything, and fuck, I couldn't get it. So I rang Bart in Amsterdam and I said, look, I can't get this thing to grip. He said, well, I'm coming back, so wait until I come back and we'll do it together. Him and Amanda came back, and there'd been a lot of publicity about LSD and blah, 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 and he was a persona non grata, and they forbade him entry. So anyway, Amanda came back. We started again. She was pressing down with all her might, trying to get this thing, and then suddenly I went completely sort of weak and fainted, really, probably through loss of blood. It was a little bit scary. 
So I ended up in the ear, nose and throat ward. And the doctors all came around and said, what on earth are you doing? I said, well, look, would you finish it off for me? All you've got to do is do it. Don't do that. If you do that, you'll kill yourself. Well, I mean, I knew that was untrue. It was a silly thing to say. You know, they do it all the time. So what are they talking about? I was in there for about three days, I think, and I read the History of Western Philosophy by Bertrand Russell. <laughs> so this time I got into the place. Eventually, there was a sort of gurgling noise. The bit of bone, the rondelle, as they call it, was in the uh, trapan, but it was deeper on one side than on the other, and it was only a tiny hole. Again, I was on acid. I couldn't really tell if it had worked or not, but I wasn't happy about it. Me and Amanda had started a business, colouring prints, mounting framing them and so on. And this time I thought, I'll buy an electric drill. It'll be much easier, because I could afford it. And I didn't take acid this time, so I thought, I'm, this time I'm going to notice everything. As I was starting to drill, God damn it, the drill broke down. But luckily in the basement, Mr. Lee lived down there, and he made jigsaw puzzles, and he was good sort of with his hands. And I went down to him with a bandage on my head. <laughs> so he mended it, and the next day I started again. The bone, there's no sensation, but you can feel the brrr. It's, it's, it is a brrr, you know, vibration. And then obviously when you're through, it goes whoosh, right through, because there's no resistance. And then a whoosh, whoosh of blood comes, you draw it out, because it probably goes in an inch. And as it came out, whoosh, quite a bit of blood came out. For about two or three hours, probably, I could feel myself just getting a little lighter and a little lighter. And I really felt a lift. A lift, I think was the word. I just felt great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been there ever since. And, you know, I don't notice the difference. Now, obviously, we really noticed the difference at the time. It's not a big high. It's the difference between the youthful brain metabolism and the adult brain metabolism. Now, that's not like smoking a joint. Smoking a joint gets you much higher. It's a little step, but it's a big step for mankind. I like life. I mean, it has its ups and downs, of course. You know, because you do have times when things go badly and, you know, money and relationships and all sorts of things. But I think getting high helps you deal with that. Well, it did me, anyway. It's life assurance. It's ensuring that you can go on getting high for the rest of your life, which I think is a very important thing for health, both mental and physical. I know so many people who used to turn on and really like it when they were younger, but they've given up, they've had a bad trip or something or other, and they've stopped. That's just no shit. I don't want to ever do that. <laughs> yeah. Make it all your dreams come true. Well, Lord, yeah, it always puts a smile on my face listening to that. It doesn't matter how many times I listen to it. I just feel so happy when I'm uh, listening to him at the end. Lovely. Imagine being that contented. Just what a guy. <laughs> You know, as the listener, he's talking to you very sincerely uh, about his belief that if you drill a hole in your head, you will feel better for the rest of your life. And I think 
people found that quite hard to hear. <laughs> Did you ever think that you had a duty of care somewhat towards this person? Perhaps edit out what he said to reduce the shock factor? Um, that's interesting. I was very naive when I made this. I mean, I, now I would think about this so carefully, protecting him, and I'd probably think about the ethics of the whole thing much, much more carefully than I did when I made this. I think I was just completely overwhelmed by how great the stuff he was saying was. When he was taking LSD in the times that he's talking about, it wasn't illegal. So there's that. And also it was so such a long time ago, you know. Yeah, it does go into a fair bit of detail about how to literally drapan yourself. Yes, although, like, the idea was really that the listener would know that trepanning yourself probably wasn't a very good idea <laughs> and the, the critical conversation i kind of wanted that critical conversation to take place in the listener's head i, I didn't want you know to stand in the way there's an interesting in terms of all the trepanation stuff there's an interesting coda to this which if it had occurred when this was recorded would definitely have helped with everything i think which is that Amanda Fielding carried on getting trepanned later in life. And she went, I think, either to Mexico or to Egypt and was trepanned by where she could find a surgeon who would do it to her for, for money. And she started to do a lot of actual proper scientific research into trepanation and into whether it actually did this thing that they all thought it did. She had a team in Russia looking at people who'd had been trepanned after having head injuries in car accidents and then looking and then following them later in life. As far as I can tell, it was an absolutely legitimate scientific study and she discovered that trepanation has absolutely no impact <laughs> on, on the way the brain works. So a couple of years ago, she very impressively, I think, stood up in the media and said, well, we've finally finished looking at a decade's worth of data. It has no effect. I was completely wrong. That's brave. Yeah, and she'd even stood... I mean, one of the things she was quite famous for back in the day was standing for a, a political party called... Uh, who were called Trepanation on the NHS. She stood in Chelsea... Kensington and Chelsea as an MP candidate. And there's a wonderful photograph of her at the time wearing huge numbers of coloured silks and a headscarf with a parrot sitting on her shoulder. But I, what I would love now to, is to go back and ask Joey what he thinks about that. When I was listening to this, I was just imagining where you were and I, I thought that you could be in a very grand room, perhaps surrounded by rich tapestries. <laughs> Maybe it's a library and he's, he's in a leather armchair with a whiskey or something like that. Is there any truth in that? There's a basement flat in a suburban, in a street in, in South London. Very nice, you know, but lovely, very light. I mean, a lot of sunlight coming in. Yeah, probably nice rugs. We were sitting on the sofa next to each other. I was turned sideways for the whole two hours and I got terribly stiff because I hadn't quite taught myself to sit in a, to control the situation, as you maybe learn later on in your career, uh, for your comfort. He kept breaking off to take these lovely phone calls with his sons, which gave me a chance to stretch. Uh, lots of lots of cups of tea, but it was nice. Yeah, there were rugs and kind of picture framing equipment. He still, he makes his living as a picture framer. So you can look him up <laughs> if you want to get your pictures framed. And... Can you see the hole in his head? Oh, he let me touch it. Oh, yeah. It was extraordinary. So there isn't a hole. The skin is 
uh, grown back over. But when you touch there, it's like a baby's fontanelle, you know, like baby's heads, soft yeah. heads. Because they're, they're, as he gesture at in, in that piece, the skull doesn't fuse until you're completely, till you're quite old. So what do you think he was experiencing when he had that feeling of euphoria and lightheadedness? Well, I mean, he just drilled a hole in his head, hadn't he? I, I, who is it for me? To, it's, I, I really feel really strongly that what that experience he had is his experience. And actually, it's got nothing to do with me. And I almost don't want to touch it. I don't want to have an opinion about it. Although I'm cynical about a lot of things, I'm also quite open-minded about a lot of things. And definitely about people's internal experience. I think people experience a lot of weird stuff. And I definitely don't want to tell them what that was about. But... <laughs> Having said all that, like it's it's a big thing to do to yourself. It would be weird if you didn't feel something. In my personal opinion, I would think it was maybe not the greatest way of getting that feeling. <laughs> yeah, I I think I would agree there. Yeah, but people were just—it's crazy, you know. Like people were just trying stuff out in those days. They were just trying stuff out. There was a great openness, and. You know, it could be bad and dangerous and self-indulgent and, and involve cutting yourself off from the real world and not trying to make the world a better place for other people. It could be very solipsistic. But I also think, kind of wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's so interesting is having the wild, this crazy thing they were doing in the context of, you know, what was probably most of the time quite a normal domestic life. And <laughs> Absolutely. I think now that it's clearer to me that that's probably what the stories are about. For me to listen to that piece again, I found it very cheering, actually. I sometimes can't remember why I'm doing this job. And that piece, for all its myriad flaws, does remind me why I do this. I remember I had such a good time making that. Just such a good time. Could you just say where people may be able to find more about you and your work? So, if you want to find out more about what I've done or listen to my work, I've got a website. It's Umni. U-M-N-E-Y that's my surname dot X-Y-Z Thanks so much to our guest this week Michael Umney and thank you for listening and if you enjoyed that Michael will be back next time with another story Please, if you haven't already, press subscribe and uh, leave a review on Apple Podcasts it really helps to get the word out about the show and a big thank you as well to my colleague Alice Homewood Without her help, this episode would not be possible. See you next time.